I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, I am answering a question texted into the podcast phone number on dating and living with someone of your same Enneagram type. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is I have finally learned to just buy a new water bottle. And I did just that. I got myself a giant thermos style water bottle that fits into my cup holder, and it is currently giving me life. Thorn, I was just getting back into routine right after daylight savings time, after going on the cruise, coming back, kind of finding my way. And then we switched things up the last couple of days, and I'm like completely out of whack. This morning, during the time that I would normally read, meditate, do yoga, I literally just laid my head down on the couch and fell asleep for like 40 minutes. So that's how today's started. Um, my bud though is this afternoon, I have planned a self-care extravaganza for myself, a nice lunch, a bath, a face mask, painting, the whole nine yards, and I am pumped. Okay, let's get into today's question, but first I want to remind you that you can text your Enneagram questions into the podcast phone number, which is always linked in the show notes for you. Okay, so question for today. Hi, Sarah Jane, longtime silent follower, and I love your content. Thank you for your work. Thank you. I'm a nine and my boyfriend is as well. We will be moving in together in a couple of months, and this is both my and his first time living with a partner. I'm wondering if you could share some tips on navigating this transition as a nine and general tips on types, dating, and living with their same type. For context, we both lean more towards our one wing and we share traits of the social subtype. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Katrina, she, her. Hi, Katrina. Thanks for writing in and congrats on moving in with your boyfriend. I also love that you put your pronouns here. I love to see it. So for our nines, so the number one thing that can arise when you move in with a partner is your inability to ask for what you want and need paired with a hearty dose of passive aggression. Maybe think notes or moving really slowly instead of moving really quickly because you're feeling like someone's telling you what to do or maybe you're doing something too much and you wish they would kind of chip in so instead of asking you kind of try to get that need met without having to use your words now i can't tell you how many people i've heard say that their marriage was so easy and so good because they married a nine and this is sweet but every time i hear it i can't help but think what is it that the nine is not communicating and how are they trying to communicate it subtly in a way that it's not being heard because All relationships have conflict and discussion, and when everyone is showing up vibrantly as themselves, you're going to clash sometimes. So if you have a few months before you move in together, I would highly encourage you to start getting to know yourself now. Get to know what you like and don't like. Practice speaking up directly. And this is going to prepare you for the adjustment that comes when you don't have the time to pull away and self-soothe or numb out like you may be used to doing. When you live with other roommates, you can get frustrated, but then you can kind of go into your cozy cave and recoup and, and get work through those feelings and never have to communicate them. When you're in a relationship, there's less space for that and the need for reconciliation and healthy conflict is much more necessary. So if you're finding yourself consistently, or the, 
The other thing to keep in mind is if you're finding yourself consistently irritated with the person that you're living with, it's a really good indicator that you have an unmet need. So sometimes our nines aren't always aware of what they want and need, and irritation can feel like a personal failing instead of information that something's not working for you. So it's worth exploring what would make you feel better and asking for what you need when irritation does arise. Now, when it comes to two nines living together, the three things I'd look out for are first, numbing instead of communicating, kind of both of you taking the path of least resistance, kind of pulling away from each other, numbing out, spending a lot of time watching TV or on your phones or whatever your personal way of numbing out is, even if it's just the sensation of deciding the thing you thought mattered to you all of a sudden you can decide doesn't matter to you anymore, that's also a version of numbing. So pay attention when you're numbing instead of communicating and choose to communicate kindly, as I'm sure you will, kindly but firmly. Second, individuating. So make sure to give yourselves time to be your own people. Nines can sometimes struggle with merging into who you're spending the most time with, you know, your needs, your wants, your preferences kind of merging with one another. And so sometimes that can look like becoming um, not very good at finding a world in which you're separate and you have your own lives and your own individuality, which is something that's really important to a healthy relationship. A great book on this is Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. I highly encourage you to check it out if you think individuating might be something that you find difficult. Now, at the same time, for our social nines, You may have to focus on making time for the relationship and learning to set boundaries with people at work and in your social circle to prioritize the relationship. So in general, it's helpful to talk ahead of time, make a plan for how you'd like to do this on purpose. You know, what time this week am I giving to myself? What time are we giving to each other? And what time are we giving to the things that matter to us? So that you're intentionally finding um, not necessarily a perfect balance, but instead finding a healthy distribution of energy. Public Goods is the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food, Public Goods is your new everything store thoughtfully designed to the conscious consumer. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. I'm going to be honest, right now, this week, the product I'm most excited about from Public Goods is their floss. Floss is a hard thing to do, right? It's either too rough and scratchy to where it hurts my teeth or it's too soft and glidey to where it doesn't feel like it's actually doing its job. Public Goods has found this like perfect middle ground between being rough enough to get your teeth clean but also smooth enough to not hurt your teeth. And it comes in this amazingly beautiful little glass capsule-like container that makes me want to just carry it around in my purse. It incentivizes me to floss more. The other, that's the way everything with public goods feels, is the aesthetic is so good that if you are visual like me, you are going to feel more incentivized to clean, to display the things that you're using around your house, to feel confident that your dish soap 
is going to match your toothpaste is going to match your floss like all of these things look cohesive together and it's just a little way to bring more joy to your life while doing less harm to the environment and to your budget. Now, knowing what's in your product and where they come from is so helpful, so important. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients, harmful additives, and still common on drug and grocery store shelves. So they're committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. So join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched into their new everything store. We've worked out an awesome deal. So you can receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase, meaning you can get a free product. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again. That they're just giving you $15 to spend on whatever you want. So you have nothing to lose, just go to publicgoods.com slash egram or use the code egram at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash egram to receive $15 off of your first order. Now, because I think this question is so applicable to all of us, I thought it would be helpful to answer it for each type. I'm just going to run through it a bit more quickly. But in general, the things we struggle with as individuals when we're with someone who sees the world exactly as us, it can be easy to create kind of an echo chamber where you just feed each other's worldview and way of being so that you amplify the personas that you play instead of liberating each other from your personas. So my hope for you with the Enneagram is to recognize that like, oh, you thought you had to be this thing your whole life. You thought you had to be easy to get along with. You thought you had to be successful, perfect, lovable. You had to be, you know, fun and happy. These things you thought you had to be are actually things you are limiting yourself with. You know, by only being that, you're limiting your options of who you get to be in the world. And so when we're in a relationship or we're cohabitating or we're spending a significant amount of time with someone who feels they must play the same persona, the caution is to pay attention to when you are feeding the need to play the persona in one another instead of liberating each other from the obligation. So that's the main thing to consider when in a relationship with someone of the same type. But there are lots of nuanced ways that this can happen. I'm going to share just one for each type to keep in mind for the sake of time today. But we'll start with type eights. We already did nine. So type eights, the main thing to keep in mind here is in, in as you start to cohabitate with someone, not seeking conflict as proof of connection. So intensity doesn't always equal con- like commitment. Um, So you can seek commitment and seek devotion and shared alliance without seeking intensity. Sometimes intensity is a replacement for true connection. Type seven, you know, you you need to learn to be with your feelings, to not reframe them, to not try to run from them. And two sevens together can get into this like kind of toxic positivity, you know, think right, like we don't have to settle for anything kind of mindset, which can prevent you from truly feeling your feelings. Type six, um, you know, learn to encourage each other's freedom. You know, you might be afraid of losing that 401k, losing those health benefits. But if you notice that your partner is withering or losing zest for life, you know, you might need to push them toward 
freedom and liberation. Type five, make a conscious effort to support one another. You're very good at taking care of yourselves and minimizing your needs so that you don't, no one has to take care of you. So if the two of you are doing that in relationship, you're going to miss out on some of the beautiful aspects that relationship has to offer, which is that um, support and that ability to pass some things off to someone else to carry them for you out of love. Type four, stay out of the feeling conversations. This is something that our couples therapist told us, me and my husband, because we can kind of get into this feeling language of like, well, this is how I feel this went in such a way that it gets really messy. Um, and when we talk from a feeling space, it's like, well, you have to validate that even no matter what I'm saying or um, how I'm expressing it. And so what we what's helpful for, um, you know, our deep feelers and our people who use feeling language is to kind of pull up and instead of saying, well, I feel this way, say, this is the thing that's happening. How can you and I together solve this problem? So then it's something outside of each other. No one's being blamed. No one's wrong or bad. It's just a, a problem that needs a solution. And we're the team that's going to solve it. You know, make come out of feelings, make it concrete so that it doesn't get cloudy and messy and create um, a fear of a fear of blame or a fear of accusation or a fear of abandonment. Number three, make sure or type three, <laughs> make sure to encourage each other in how you feel, not what you achieve. So two threes together can easily get caught up in like the hustle culture, the culture of like, okay, we're going to go, go, go. We're going to constantly be improving, constantly getting better. But at what cost is the question you need to ask each other? Yes, okay, are we going to upgrade our home and buy a new house or are we going to take a lease out on this car? You need to ask yourself at what personal cost, not financial cost, but at what emotional, mental, physical cost? Um, and is it worth that price of losing time with your family, losing time with yourself, um, getting out of touch with how you really feel and what you really want? Um, make sure that you are encouraging each other to slow down, to feel, and to make decisions and goals that support the way you want to feel in your life. Type twos, you still need to communicate your needs directly, even if you think you can read each other's minds. So two twos in a relationship are kind of going to constantly be anticipating each other's needs while ignoring the needs of themselves, you know, in those lower to average health, health states, you know, where most of us are especially when we find the Enneagram. So make sure that you are not relying on your partner, anticipating your needs, but instead are communicating your needs directly. And as the two, instead of assuming that you know what your partner needs, ask them if that is what they need or what they want or how you can support them better instead of trying to guess. Number type ones, you need to combat each other's inner critic. Make a shared mantra that rest, play, are good, healthy things. You're going to, what two ones together are going to be a very serious space, right? You're going to get into a place where things are good and bad and right and wrong. Um, everything matters. There's a right way to do everything. Everything can be really serious and intense. So pull back and remind each other, rest and play are really good and healthy things. And as a couple, we need to prioritize doing those things together. 
Now, because this is an overview and I kind of just touched on one thing per type, I thought it would be helpful to have a deeper conversation on Instagram at Sarah Jane Case so we can read tips and thoughts from other people of your type in the comments. So come share your advice for cohabitating as your type if you have it. We'd love to hear it. And as always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.